<coughs> Good morning, everyone. Wow, okay. Good morning, everyone. Oh, there we are. Everybody's awake now. I caught some of y'all sleeping. Good morning, good morning. Um, we are going to be, in a very fitting manner, talking about love this morning. Um, not that type of love. Calm down. Uh, and talking about what the love of Christ should look like for us as a church, as a body, and really um, how it should affect our fellowship and our development as uh, the church of the living God. And so I'm going to open this up in a, in a brief prayer, but if you want to go ahead, we're going to be in Galatians 5 to li- today. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. We're just a couple of verses uh, this morning that we're going to look at. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to just stand before you, Jesus, to stand before my brothers and my sisters and uh, just be filled with your spirit, Lord God, to be joined together in communion with one another and with you, um, with all joy, Lord, with all peace. And I pray, Father, that you would fill us with knowledge and wisdom this morning, that you would discern our hearts, Lord God, and reveal them to us, uh, that we might uh, repent into, into your loving arms, Father, that just whatever perspective, whatever action, whatever idleness, anything, Lord, that needs to be changed or moved or shifted, Father, that that would be the, the joyful repentance of our life, Lord, just to acknowledge your word and live in it. And so help us this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that it would be you that stirs our hearts and minds to understand, and it would be you that just uses me to speak, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be, con- uh, be consumed by one another. Oh, you foolish Galatians, the old, the old famous verse. Um, today, the, the title of our message is really just law versus legalism. I'm sorry, love versus legalism. And uh, Paul is writing to this church for that sole reason. So he's left and he's been traveling and he's doing his, his missionary work and he gets word back, you know, of what's going on. And basically this church in Galatia, there were some Jewish men that came into their, their midst, that came into the congregation and they said, yeah, you know, Jesus, he was great. Yeah, he died for your sins. That's great. But you still really have to keep the law. I mean, let's, let's not, you can't just throw Moses out, right? Jesus, you need him, but you also, you really need to be circumcised. And oh, well, you know, Jesus died for you, but you really, God doesn't really want you to eat that, right? I mean, you might, be, you might not be holy if you eat that, okay? And so they started bringing back this teaching of the law 
and placing these burdens on these people, this, this kind of self-imposed righteousness on the church. And Paul hears about this and he's like, Galatians, who has bewitched you? What is going on? How have you fallen away from the grace, this perfect grace in Christ, where his work was sufficient, it paid your debt, and your life is in him to trying to go back to somehow fulfilling something before God in the way you eat or dress, or, you know, rather the guy sitting next to you was born in this country or this country. He's like, are you serious? That's crazy. And so the whole book of Galatians is really um, Paul mapping out the simple gospel. That salvation, that, that being accepted and righteous before the Lord is Christ plus nothing. It's Christ, nothing less. The fullness of our redemption is in him. But there's this thing about legalism that can happen where when we become legalists in our heart, we suddenly begin to separate ourselves from one another. So I'm just going to read this, this first verse again. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You know what Jesus says um, the most important commandments of all the scriptures are? First of all is to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. But the second is like it. And it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's interesting, even even people who um, want to kind of bring back the law, people who want to instill legalism, um, into a religious life, Jesus says, you know, if you would just love one another the way I'm calling you to love one another, you know, that fulfills all the law. What legalism do you need? The law is fulfilled in my love. That's Jesus's message. And in the midst of uh, these divisions and troubles, that's what Paul's trying to get back to. You know, we have been called into liberty, liberty, and I love to dwell on this aspect of liberty in Christ and freedom in Christ because I think when we hear that, we all have different thoughts about what does that mean. I mean, when, you, when, when someone says, Mark, man, you, have, you are free in Jesus. You have liberty. You know, what, what does that mean to you personally in your life? What are the things that come to mind? What are you free from? Just think about that for a moment. What are you free from? And there may be various things in your life that in Christ you've become, you know, uh, free from selfishness maybe. Maybe you've become free from insecurities. Maybe you've become free from drugs and alcohol. But all in all, the, the liberty in Christ is this. Outside of Christ, we were all under the law and the standard of a perfect God and we could never meet it. And so there was all this condemnation, there was all this judgment, there was all this wrath upon our lives. 
either in the moment or waiting to come. Waiting to come. And there was just this worthlessness, this emptiness about life that we were stuck in. And we knew that there was a God, but there was something in between us and Him that we could not pass through because of our sin. Yet Paul tells us that in Christ, we have liberty. And so suddenly, all of that condemnation, everything that had a right to keep you in shame, was broken. And the the very things that kept us separated from God's presence, we've been freed from. So we have liberty. We have liberty to come into God's presence, to be accepted, to fellowship with Him. And God is not ignorant of our mistakes. He's not ignorant of of our shortcomings even now. Has anybody been perfected instantly in the flesh when they were saved? Anybody? No, I don't think so. And yet there's this amazing thing that God sees us as we are, which is kind of scary sometimes, and loves us. Yeah, all the time. Uh, And he loves us and he accepts us, not because of, us, but because of the work of his son and because of the perfection that we're coming into, into the new kingdom that he's already paid for. His love. His love. And it's a love that we have actually been called to model. You know, some people, um, Well, not, let me say this. It's very easy to focus on the part of this verse that says, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But really, I, I want to focus on a way that that looks like that we might not normally think of. Because he says, through love, serve one another. And I wish I could just like take a giant highlighter and just do this and circle and underline because that's what I do in my Bibles. But that is so important. That's so important. And believe it or not, I believe that today the same issue that these verses address in the legalism that was coming into the church through the Jewish people trying to, to teach the law still happens in our church today. It's just a different law. Let me ask you, how many people in this room are, are trying to convince how many of you are trying to convince somebody that they need to follow the Mosaic Law? Anybody? You need to have a talk? No? We're good on that one? Okay. So we might say, well, hey, you know, that doesn't apply to me. I understand. We don't have to follow the law. And, you know, we're saved by grace. But here's the thing. Legalism is not just about the Mosaic Law. Because any time we in our hearts create a standard or an expectation for the people around us, and for the church that is outside of Christ's standards, we have become legalists. And we have created a law and a condition in our heart that separates us from loving other people. From loving other people. And that's a shame. Because legalism separates us from God and it separates us from each other. 
Now, here's the thing. You know what happened in Galatia when legalism came into the church? Suddenly, this, these Jews and these Gentiles and all these people, they were eating together, and they were loving one another, they were serving one another, they were rejoicing. And then one Sunday, you've got Jews over here, and you've got Gentiles over here. And these same guys who had probably been eating pork for quite a while, suddenly, oh, well, you know, we're going to skip, we're going to skip that tray and we're going to go, you know, we can't, we can't eat like that. And they may have all been worshiping in the same place, but suddenly there was a division. And it's not particularly stated, but I can almost guarantee you there was some people looking at the other people sitting on the other side of the room and going, well, you know that guy. That guy. And see, this is the danger with legalism. Anytime we start to build a law of righteousness in our heart that is not the work of Christ, it does something very terrible. And it does this. We hide the log in our eye And we feel good about hiding it because we're so focused on the speck in someone else's eye. And as long as we can see the issue with somebody else, we don't have to focus with the issue in ourselves. And that's so terrible, not just because it suddenly separates me from these people who Jesus has died for, but really... The moment we think, because of, well, you know, I, yeah, there's, there's that over there, you know, but all of this looks good. We deceive ourselves in thinking that we're right before God because something we are, are not, or are not doing. And the moment, the moment our heart grafts on to something as wicked as that, that's where Paul writes, you have fallen from grace. You have fallen for grace because you have abandoned the power of Jesus' blood and begin to trust in yourself. And so suddenly there can become this, this place where we, we walk into a room with brothers and sisters and we know, you know, yeah, but oh, here's the people we really love. Here's the people we really want to spend time with. And it becomes a self focused worship. A self-focused worship. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, but do not use your liberty, your freedom from sin and death, your freedom in Christ as an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. You have the freedom in Christ to walk, not as you wish, but as you're called. That you're no longer separated from that perfect purpose that God has made you for. You also have the freedom in Christ to take all those people you've never forgiven and forgive them. You have those, the freedom in Christ to look at all those people you could never love and love them with the love that he first gave you. You have the freedom in Christ to realize that because he took the shackles off of your neck, those shackles that you're in your mind are keeping those people in, 
you can release them from. Good, bad, or ugly. You can release them from your standards and your judgments. We have freedom to do that. For though all the law is fulfilled in this one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you become consumed by one another. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How well, or how often do we really focus on that? Focus on that as an action, as the verb of our life, right? I think that's something that we cannot honestly walk in if it's not a focus of our heart. Do you know what really the root, and we, we, this is not a new concept, um, I share it all the time, everybody, you know, multiple people talk about, you know what the root of true godly love is? Sacrifice. Action. When Jesus loved the church, his love was carrying a cross up a hill to be nailed to. There was a sacrifice of himself for the very people murdering him. And there was an act of love involved. When it comes to um, when it comes to experiencing the Lord in your life, this is just again just some self reflection. When it, when you think back on on you came into the kingdom and suddenly you heard the gospel, and then there was this period of growth where you had to grow in the Word. God was was correcting your heart. Maybe you were, you were praying and doing some introspect and he was revealing things to you and you were taking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been living this way and oh my gosh, and, and oh Lord, I, I need you to cure my, my mouth and you know, take this bitter, and all these things happening, you're, you're offering these things up to the Lord and he's removing them. Think about that process that happened in your life and I hope is still happening in your life. And that is you loving yourself taking yourself before God and saying, Jesus, I need you, and Jesus answering. That's you loving yourself. That's you doing what is right for your soul. When Jesus says to love your neighbor the same way you love yourself, how does that apply to that situation? How does that apply to that situation? You know, it talks about not biting and devouring something. And there's, there's something that happens um, with legalism, with judgment in our hearts, where um, the Bible says that we shouldn't speak evil of one another. Can you put up the verse from James? Um, in James 4, verses 11 through 12, it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? You can go back. Back one verse. So, of course, he's not talking about judging amongst the brothers according to sin or anything. If you read the context, he's talking about um, 
an unrighteous judgment versus the body of Christ. He's talking about speaking evil against people without a cause. And when we start seeing things in other people's lives, and we start, oh, well, you know, they, they're this and they're that, and if they really knew better, and we start making these, these judgments, gossip is formed, you know, evil words start to be spread. There's hurt that can happen from that. And this is another one of those areas where, again, we might think, well, you know, I'm not speaking bad about anybody. You know, I keep my mouth pretty well shut uh, about other people's business. And, but the question always comes down to this. You know, the Bible says that God sees our heart. And if we're not necessarily speaking evil about people, but we're having that same conversation in our head when we see those people, when we think about those people, are we not just as guilty? Are we not just as guilty of condemning the people that Christ died for? And now it's, just, it's a fine line, again, because this, could, this verse could be taken very, we're called to judge among the body, to discern right and wrong, clean from unclean, you know, to try to help a brother out of sin. But that is the purpose of godly judgment. It's a heart that truly loves our brother. And even that term, everybody say brother. Everybody say sister. Now look around the room. Everybody in this room is your brother and your sister in Christ. And the scriptures say that Jesus himself, he's not ashamed to call you his brother and his sister. Did you know that? He's not ashamed to be called one of the brothers. And the next thing that legalism does is suddenly we don't see each other that way anymore. Legalism develops in our head and our heart an us and them attitude. An us and them attitude. A me and those. A me and those. And I'm bringing up these, these side little notes because a lot of times, it's just like pride, right? Um, when we become, when we start having a, a legalistic heart or when we have a prideful heart, a lot of times our legalism and our pride blinds us from seeing it. We have to start thinking about the fruit of the actions. We have to start thinking about how those that pride and that selfishness, how those things look in action to realize, well, maybe that is me. Maybe I am doing that. And the moment we have an us and them attitude, not only can we say, man, maybe, maybe there's something in my heart that I need to uproot and pull out of there, but the moment you have that attitude, you have stopped loving people. You have stopped loving people. And that is the whole point of Paul's command and teaching here, is that we as a church, we have authority to judge. We have authority to pray and to speak what is right. But the commandment is from love with a pure heart, he writes elsewhere, with love and a pure heart. And if a church isn't first grounded in love from a pure heart, our gathering together Sunday morning is in vain. Us hoping to see more people come into our church is in vain. 
seeing generations multiply is in vain. Because love edifies and always does what is best. You have been given liberty, so therefore in love serve one another. Here's a question. I want to see you raise, if, I want to see you raise your hand if this applies to you. Who in this room has God anointed and set apart as a minister of the new covenant? Let me see you raise, raise your hand. Every single hand in this room should be up. If you have entrusted your life to Christ, you don't need a doctorate. You don't get a certificate. No Bible school ring. Sorry. The Holy Spirit in you, you have been anointed as a priest, and God has made you a minister of the new covenant. Regardless of your callings, your gifts, that is your ministry. He has made you an ambassador of Christ, and you have been given, listen, you have been given as a stewardship, whether you like it or not, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say that word, reconciliation. That's a beautiful word. As we have been reconciled to Christ, we have been given the stewardship and the authority to reconcile others. And that right there, that mindset is what breaks through a legalistic heart. It's what breaks through judgment. It's what breaks through really sin in your heart and mind towards other people. Because there's two ways you can look at a person. You can see all their faults and say, I knew it. You can be like the Pharisee that invited Jesus to dinner and said, if he knew who that woman was, a sinner, he wouldn't even let her wash, let her wash his feet. Because that Pharisee was a legalistic man and he thought he was righteous. Or you can do what Jesus does to you which is he sees your hearts, he sees your faults, and he loves you. And he does what's necessary to equip you and to pull you out of that. And he gives a grace that empowers you past those faults. That is what love does. It serves other people. It's okay to see the faults and to be aware of an issue that someone has, to be an issue that we have as a body, to know, you know, things aren't going right in some way. And that's, that is very necessary. God has given us a mind of wisdom. See, that woman right there knows there is something wrong with that child back there. And so that is, that is necessary. Perfect timing. <laughs> but how we respond to that how we respond to that puts us in a place of fulfilling God's calling or ignoring it. We have to, if, we, if you see something in someone's heart, in someone's life, that you know is off, that you know that there's some, something in there, maybe it's sin, maybe they're not, sometimes it's not even sin, sometimes it's just, you know, as far as not open, they're not living with a woman they're not married to or something, it's just something small, does your heart say, how can I help reconcile that issue to the Lord with them? Do your hands lift up to help them? Because that's love. 
when you see the issues and there's compassion in your heart the same way Jesus has with you, and you move towards them to help move them out of that place, that is love. And as many hugs as you give the people around you, as many times as you laugh and giggle with them, and, oh, you're great, no, you know, we're going to pray together. If we don't have a heart that does that, we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. And, you know, we have, we have a church that's a perfect example. We've got, um, if we had everybody here, you know, my parents and everything, we've got multiple generations, one, two, three, four, four generations in this building, right? Top tier, middle tier, young buck tier, baby buck tier. <laughs> we've got high school students sometimes. We've got college students. We've got young adults in an emerging workplace, right? We've got people whose knees are hurting, Okay? And all of those things, different age groups, different uh, struggles, different demographics, all of those things present a question, not for me, not for Mark, but for you and us individually and corporately to answer, which is how are you going to be engaged in loving the younger generation, the children? How are you going to be engaged in blessing them? Because telling your pastor, and I'm not bringing up things, right? I'm just using examples, so don't, don't <laughs> it's a small room. Uh, uh, telling a, a pastor, oh, we need a youth program, is not, th- that might be true, and we, you know, that might be true in a situation, again, this is not a contextual to our church, these are just overviews for any church, is not you participating in loving those children. How are you blessing those children? When you see people struggling in pain and loss, how are you going to them and just sitting with them and, and expressing your heart of love and sorrow with them and just being there in their pain? How are we as a body answering the question on how are we going to equip these young men and women? How are we as a body answering how do we need to love the high school and the Shriner University? How do we need to love the young mothers that come in with children and no father? There's a love to be had that softens hearts. You know, there's a reason that <laughs> some of us cry for no reason <laughs> at, at random times. And it's because there's an overwhelming sense of truth or love that God can just put in your heart in a moment. <laughs> you just say one thing and suddenly your heart melts because of who Christ is. There's a heart to be had and there's a hand to be extended if we are to love the people around us. And we can be this is not a this is not a guilt trip this is a this is a blessing this is an opportunity that we can be part of that solution that we are called to be part of that solution as this church changes and grows and forms and molds into the image of Christ we have to be the people who stand up and say let I'm going to go love this person first 
And as we start to love or we see people, we, maybe we don't know how to love these people. We don't know how to, to serve this situation. Then we can link arms with our brothers and sisters and say, help, help me. Let me help you. Let, what can we do for these people? What can we do for this situation? And we have to be paired in our minds and our hearts with each other to serve one another well. I was talking to someone just recently. We're going to close with, with these final words. Um, and uh, this person was just being honest about <laughs> some struggles and, and how they saw some people, uh, maybe some bitterness, maybe some judgment, you know, just some different kind of that me and them mentality that everybody at some point has to deal with. And uh, my advice to them was, man, just Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to start praying for that person. And then I want you to start praying for yourself. And I want you to ask God, how can I love this person? How can I love this person? Because if your focus is how do I actually love with my hands, with my feet, with my mouth, this person, and you're looking for God to give you an answer, first of all, he will. And second, uh, secondly, it's very hard to remain bitter and judgmental towards someone that you are going out of your way to love. Let's just pray this morning and let's go ask God to examine our hearts and to see where or in what manner there may be a wall of judgment or legalism in us. And let's ask him that as this church body is growing and is changing, how are we going to meet the needs and the command to serve and love the people that are coming in? Oh, Father God, we thank you so much for your mercy, Lord, for your love, for your grace, Lord, that when we were undesirable, Lord, that when we were lost and covered in our own sin, Father, that when we were blind to your ways, that yes, we were yet sinners. You died for us, Jesus. And it was you coming and loving us that transformed our hearts. It was your love that leads us into goodness and into repentance. Father, your love, your word that washed us and cleansed us and that continues to do so, Lord. And anything we have has been gifted to us. Why do we boast? So Lord, help us. Show us any area of bitterness, any area of judgment, any area uh, of our heart that is not conformed to your will, to your word, Father. Soften our hearts. Let us be broken for what breaks your heart, Lord. And Jesus, help us Help us look at the faces around us and acknowledge them as a brother, as a sister, and to love them according to that manner. And Jesus, as we grow together, help us, move us in our hearts, Lord, to love and to serve, even in new ways, Lord God, even in new ways. So give us the wisdom to be knitted together in love and supply what is needed to every joint, Father the whole body so that we can be formed into your image 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen.